Hey, Green Future Growers. Welcome to Season 4. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. I'm here to help you create, grow, and enjoy your own organic oasis. I hope you'll subscribe for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. And I have an awesome guest on the line who is going to share her journey from um, gardening in California and now here in Montana. Um, One of my listeners, so she actually responded to the Be My Guest email. So any other listeners out there that want to share their garden story, we'd love to have you. And so here today from Yak, Montana is Liam Sanders. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Liam, for coming on and sharing with us today. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am 66 years old, retired teacher. Uh, I come from California, but I've been in the upper northwest part of Montana for almost 15 years. So um, I have learned a new style of gardening up here, Um, have always been mostly organic or tended towards organic gardening. Um, That and gardening is a passion of mine. I love doing it. I love sharing what I've learned, but I also feel like I'm a lifelong learner in this process. I'm always learning new things, despite having done it for 60 something years, um, because I did start very early. So uh, yeah, I love talking about it. I love sharing what I know. I love learning about it. I love growing things. I especially love growing food. Awesome. So many questions asked, but I do always start the show asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Who were you with and what did you grow? It sounds like you were a kid. Yeah. Well, my parents gardened and um, my first memories of being in the garden were probably as a toddler sitting in the dirt, maybe before I could even walk, (laughs) sitting in the dirt out there while my parents did gardening chores. And in fact, my mother tells the story when I was little, when I was just learning to to get myself up and cruise along, I would pull myself up along the windowsill and she would catch me eating dead flies in the windowsill, which to her disgust, And so she remembers having me out in the garden one day and she looked over and I was putting a slug into my mouth. And she said, you never ate any more flies after that. So apparently that's what cured me (laughs) and maybe helped build my robust immune system. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I've, you know, I've just always loved being in the dirt (laughs) and, uh, and still love it today. I can still remember making mud pies. I love to make mud pies. Like my mom had this little concrete bench that she still has in her yard. And I can still remember like making mud Mm -hmm. pies and like pretending they were cakes or pancakes or, you know, whatever and um, stuff like that. Uh, Yeah. And I bet you, what did you teach? I bet you were uh, one of those that also ate them just like I did. (laughs) Could be. Uh, I think I was a little bit older, maybe. I'm not sure. But uh, what what kind of teach? Like elementary or high school or like what kind of what what did you teach? Um, 
Well, a lot of my experience was in special education, and that is because we have a son who's now thir almost 30 with autism. Um, and I um, homeschooled his two older brothers uh, from kindergarten through 12th grade. And then I also um, had a teaching, have a teaching degree and um, did a lot of substituting because I was working around taking care of my kids and homeschooling my kids. And then I did some um, various grades in um, a private school in California. So my experience has pretty much been like uh, the whole nine yards from preschool through high school um, in, in a lot of different settings. Yeah. I just finished an including awesome special book education. About, uh, <coughs> sorry. I just finished reading an awesome book by um, it's by kind of a teacher kind of like you who worked with kids with autism, but it's like told from the perspective of a, a child with autism. And it's kind of like a mystery. It's like, he writes this book about, he wakes up one morning and the, the neighbor's dog is dead. And, and so he goes through this whole mystery of like trying to figure out how the neighbor's dog dies. And then he, he, it takes place in England. He ends up like getting on this train and going on this brave train ride to London. And it was just really, really mm -hmm. good. It's called, uh, I think, The Curious mm -hmm. Case of the Dog. Have you heard of it? Because it's, it's not that new. I think Yes, it's like I have. I've, I've read it. I can't remember the too many details of it but i have read it yeah, yeah a and little bit a of really a window into the autistic mind yeah yeah totally and then there's a really good show that came out i think on uh amazon prime called uh the way we see it and it's about these three adults they're like 25 um people who are like on the spectrum of uh maybe Asperger's mm. and autism and uh, yeah. one girl and the other two are guys and they live in this apartment with this woman who's like you know supposed to kind of help guide them and they they just want to be normal so bad and they're but they but they're kind of um you know they all have their challenges like the one guy never wants to go out and like his big goal is like walking down the street and the other girl like sh she needs to like maintain a job and the other guy has like three goals. Anyway, it's really good if um, hmm. if you haven't seen it. I'm going to have to look it up. On, I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon Prime, but it's really, it, it just like, to me, I just loved the characters from the very beginning and just thought it really, uh, it really just, it was always a tearjerker, but it was always, always had really happy, I don't know, it's just, it's really well done. So, Sounds good. Um, and the I, three I, actors are actually mm -hmm. all uh, autistic. Oh, they found, okay. They found three actors that all um, are. And then the guy, like the one girl, her her brother is the like main character or one of the, um, from Crazy Rich Asians, if you've ever seen mm -hmm. that movie, like he's one of the main characters in the story. Anyway, totally hmm. off topic there. So, uh, well, yeah, tell us, like, I'm kind of curious if you want to talk a little bit about like, the big differences you've seen from Cal, like, was it Northern California or Southern Cal? Like, I mean, there's a huge difference between like San Diego and like Humboldt County, you know, like Northern Yeah, California. absolutely. Yeah. We lived in the San Francisco Bay area for, um, well, we moved up here when I was in my fifties. So um, that's where most of my experience comes from. 
And yeah, certainly a difference. Like right now in California, I would be down at, you know, the local nursery looking at plants and dreaming of putting them in the ground already and can't do that here, obviously. Um, in fact, I just well, talked I to my the mother. Crazy the other thing is like how close we live together. And yesterday we had just torrential rain all day and that you got yeah. snow. I'm so jealous because I wish we would have got snow instead of the rain because it is just made. Yeah icy messy yeah. nasty i know stuff. i know you begin mud season when that starts so um yeah oh we have tons of snow on the ground still and and i talked to my mom the other night and she, i i just started putting seeds in um little pots inside the house last night because i start so much in the house i call it my indoor farm and um, my mom's like, oh, are you getting ready to plant things? I'm like, mom, we have three feet of snow on the ground outside. No, you don't start gardening outside right now. It's still winter up here. So, cause she's well, in California. Thing is, so. like, two, like a week ago, like when did we get the big snowstorm on Sunday, right? So like on Saturday, you literally like the most of our yard was like there was no snow left like we were it was like looking like March was going to be a spring to be you know like where you were like mm. at the bit to get in the ground and now we're back yeah. to a foot of snow on the ground at least although like I said it poured rain yeah. all day yesterday yeah. here so we have melting well, icy muddy nasty ice. yeah it's awful. Anyway, what'd you start in pots? Tomatoes? Um, I actually started a whole bunch of stuff. And what I do is I put them, I start things in four inch pots because I don't like to keep transplanting it. I feel like disturbing their roots repeatedly is not a good idea. So right now on my kitchen table, I have um, a whole bunch of different kinds of tomatoes most, uh, many of them San Marsano because I like to do a lot of um, uh, salsa and tomato sauce and things like that. Um, I have red cabbage, kale, broccoli, and some peppers. And I have a lot more to get going. Um, so I'll start them, they're on my kitchen table right now. They'll move on to a rack with grow lights and they'll be in the living room until I can get them outside. And of course my cold tolerant things will go in the ground um, probably mid-May and um, or maybe early May. And then my tomatoes and peppers and then herbs, which I have yet to do, will go into my greenhouse. Are you still there, Jackie? And how big is your greenhouse? Um, I'm pretty bad with size, <laughs> but it's good size. Um, and the, I have just one big bed. It's centered inside the greenhouse. It's, um, it, I wouldn't exactly call it a raised bed. It's just, we have, um, we've used logs to enclose the dirt in the middle of it. And I would say that it's about 12 feet by 15 feet. And that's so all my tomatoes go in ground out there. And then my peppers and my herbs are will be in pots out in, inside the greenhouse. So tell us about something that grew well last year. 
Um, I have to say last year was challenging, I think because the heat, the extended heat was so unexpected. Crazy, right? I mean, it got, as you know, it got warm so early and then stayed warm, you know, for three months, June, July, August, we're amazingly hot here. And so um, I, I have grown up to three, 300 pounds of tomatoes. Um, which is too much for us. I've cut back a lot because it's like, I get sick of canning tomatoes in the fall when I do that to myself. And I end up giving a lot away. But um, last year, the tomatoes did not do well because of the heat and I didn't approach it correctly. I didn't, I should have covered my greenhouse sooner. I should have given them more water, started all of that earlier than I did, but I was kind of basing it on um, past experience. But last year, I did have success. Um, my root crops always do well. Uh, and root crops for me are carrots and beets. We don't grow potatoes because we don't eat a lot of potatoes. Um, my cruciferous vegetables, the cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower and kale all did well, despite the heat, amazingly enough. Um, of course, the zucchini liked it and <laughs> I had lots of zucchini. My garlic and onions did well. And I, I put sunflowers in every single year. I start them in ground um, just because I love sunflowers and um, they all did well. So, you know, I had, an, I had an okay year. It's just, it took me a little bit by surprise. Well, sunflowers are really, really good for your garden. Yeah. Right? They bring in beneficial insects. They attract the ants that eat the aphids. They are, you know, they're great pollinators for, or they're great for the pollinators, like the bees. Like I think right. everybody should grow sunflowers, whether you're growing food, whether yeah. you have a garden, whether you have a lawn, just if you have a lawn, I think you should grow sunflowers because it'll bring, attract good bugs for your neighbor's gardens or whoever's growing the food near you like yeah it's just a good thing for the butterflies well, that, like, and they just yeah and they're friendly right i love driving up the road yeah absolutely it's fun to it's fun to go out there and see they are they yeah they make me happy and it's just fun to go out there and see the bees right on the flowers and it's so funny those bumblebees how they just kind of nestle down in and spend the night there in those flowers so um i well, love them like and speaking of bees of a sunflower is like thousands of itty bitty teeny tiny flowers like i don't know if people always realize that but exactly. sorry didn't interrupt speaking of bees no 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 that's fine it's it's they're amazing um and i love them so i plant them every year and i just saved up the seeds i'm not particular about you know whether they're um the color, if, if I've seen lots of different, you know, shades of sunflowers, or if they're the the Russian giants or the the ones that have a zillion heads of flowers, I don't care. I just like the flower. I just like them, so I just keep planting them year after year after year. Um, but that made me think are, about. Are sharing pictures of sunflowers on Facebook now for the like in solidarity with the people of ukraine and did you see that video about that woman that like ah. goes up to the soldier with the sunflower seeds the russian soldier and she's like here put these in your pocket so when you die you your body at least some sunflowers will I, grow because she's so mad at the russian soldier i heard about it country. 
it's amazing to see her. She's yeah. So it's yeah. nice to see all the people on Facebook and social media everywhere sharing sunflower pictures. But anyway, mm-hmm. I want to see. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, tell us about the bees. Oh well, that was one thing you kind of sparked my memory. Um, I did not have good success with my tomatoes last year in the greenhouse. And one thing we noticed was we had far fewer pollinators going in and out of my greenhouse. Um, usually by July, I can leave. I've got a door. I've, yeah, I've got a door on each end and I, we leave the doors open. And, um, you know, I go in and out and I see flies and bees and whatever, you know, uh, dragonflies sometimes and things that fly in and out. We saw far fewer bees. And I think it was, we think it was the heat um, that was keeping them out of there. Um, I actually didn't see as many bees on my flowers outside either. So I don't know. I think the heat had something to do with it. It affected um, the activity of those um, bees and other pollinators. Um, so, so what we ended up doing to help, because I, you know, people talk about, well, I individually pollinate my tomatoes. I go along and tickle the blossoms. It's like, yeah, you don't have as many tomato plants as I do. I don't have time to go through and touch every blossom in my greenhouse. (laughs) So we put a fan up and um, we just started, you know, kind of blowing air through there from one end to the other. And, and we think that that was um, helpful, you know, to do that. Of course, then we had to make sure I had enough water going in there. But um, anyway, that was, that was our, um, our, our cure for not having what very kind many of fan did you set up? Did you just buy like a, a like it's, a box fan or a stand-up fan or like yeah. a fancy fan or nothing fancy. We don't do anything fancy here. And we got, we try to do everything as cheap as we can. I use a lot of, I reuse a lot of stuff. And I had this old box fan that I've had for years that normally when it gets really hot, I set it up at one end of my greenhouse just to suck the hot air out. But um, this year we would turn it on in the, in the morning or in the evening when it was cooler and just blow the air right through that place. So it's just an, a crummy old box fan, you know, that's what, two feet by two feet or something like that mm-hmm. and I I stuck some bungee cords in it and kind of hung it up at the top of the door it was you know I don't we just we just make do <laughs> I love all of that that's great so uh what's something you're excited to try next year that you haven't done before um Hmm. I don't think I'm going to plant anything new. Um, I might start a few more flowers on my own. Um, I have to tell you one of the things I've done the last quite a, for quite a few years is we go to the Amish auction over in West Kootenai every June. Sure. And um, have you ever been to that? I have you ever? I feel like we went once. Okay. Well, there's this Amish. Okay. There's this Amish lady that has a little plant stand. Her name is Doris and she's got beautiful plants over there. And so whatever I haven't been able to get going in my indoor farm, 
or um, flowers. I buy her flowers in particular and um, put in a lot of her flowers. Like I really love um, Rudbeckia, which makes sense because I like sunflowers and they kind of a similar look. So um, I usually get right, some Rudbeckia from her season, and then right? whatever else. Yeah, yeah. So, but not I the vining ones. I get the her. ones that I think are. There was one year after the auction, they came to Steins, which is like our local grocery store if listeners don't know and set up in the parking mm -hmm. lot and they had a ton of flowers left and I think I bought a whole bunch of black eyed Susans from her and some other flowers yeah which tend to be fairly deer resistant I mean all my gardens are fenced in but um I can put those out in some pots and the deer pretty much leave them alone until come you know like <clears throat> November or so like in my potting my potting shed is open and I've kind of grabbed all my pots and shoved them in there and the deer will actually come right underneath my potting shed and eat whatever they can get to so um you know they'll eat that kind of stuff in my sage they usually leave that alone but you know in November they're starting to get pretty hungry they'll eat anything so um yeah so anyway I I love to buy that from her um so flowers I might try some new flowers you know and maybe start some new things in pots and see if I can be successful. And what kind of herbs are you growing? Um, well the typical parsley sage rosemary and thyme. Um, rosemary is I found is a little bit harder for me to get going from seeds so I usually will buy a plant at least a plant every year um, and I have to say with rosemary I have tried year after year after year to keep that stuff going year round because when I lived in California, I had a plant that was like five feet tall, a huge bush that was perennial and stayed green year round, but I cannot do it here. I cannot even, even in a, a you know, a bigger pot and bringing it inside, I have not had luck keeping them going year round. So I usually buy a rosemary plant every year because I love to, I love to cook. What has great plans? If you ever go to the Kalispell Farmers Market, um, I can't yeah. remember what her name is, but she has herbs that are just the best. What do you like to cook? Hmm. I do. Yeah. Oh, what do I like to cook? Um, yeah. Well, um, you know, I I just I like to cook from scratch, and so I like trying new recipes. I can't say that I have any favorite things I love to cook because I just like to cook in general. Um, I do really like to can. Um, that's kind of one of my favorite hobbies. And so I, um, I, I put up lots of tomatoes and salsa and tomato products every year. Um, and then um, I'm an, an instant pot lover. I do lots of bone broth in my instant pot and I put my herbs into that and um, Let's see, what else? I make a ton of jams every year, which mostly I give away. <laughs> um, and what kind I'm trying of jam to think. do you grow for bread? I like to, like oh, well, I, I have strawberries and raspberries that I grow here. And like, I, I've just come across, I have a friend that's a foodie and she sent me, and she actually worked in the cookbook publishing business. And she sent me some, some really neat um, canning books that she worked on herself. So like I have this cool recipe that it's a tart basil jelly 
And so I use my basil in that. I make pesto and put that in the freezer every year. And in fact, one of my neighbors will come over and say, will you sell me some of your pesto? And I don't, I don't garden and do any of this for profit. Um, I do like to share with my neighbors and, but you know, if he wants to buy a jar of pesto, I'm like, sure, I'll sell you a pesto. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that, you know, I, I, I also like to bake bread and I do sourdough bread. Um, I, I just do, I do a lot of stuff from scratch. And so we, we use our, our canned products and our, uh, a lot of the vegetables, which I've blanched and frozen, you know, for over the, to hold over the winter. Um, I dehydrate some of my vegetables too. So that's what we do. I cook from scratch. I try to use our own. Any kind of animals? I do. I have, um, I have 14 hens and a rooster. Um, so yeah. They keep me in eggs and, and, and some of the neighbors in eggs. So, and we have raised pigs in the past too, not for the last couple of years, but um, we enjoy raising pigs too and having our own, our own pork to eat. And then my husband and I are both hunters. And so we try to fill the freezer with venison or elk. Um, so I, I buy very little red meat because of that, like hardly ever. <laughs> Do I buy red meat? Um, so the only the only meat products that I buy are are chicken and fish, basically. So. Uh, so is something that didn't work well the tomatoes from the heat, or is there something you wanted to tell us about something that didn't go the way you thought it was gonna? Yeah, um, one summer um, I had something coming in to my garden and eating the tops of my carrots down over and over and over and it was a real mystery to me we couldn't we'd never saw any rabbits I mean the, the gardens fenced I knew I knew there were no deer getting in there um, and and I don't and I usually have really good success with uh, my my root crops but this one summer something kept coming in and eating down the tops of the carrots you have any ideas <laughs> So what we, we ended up doing last year, we've never had critters before like that. And like something got all uh -huh. like peas, it kept eating our cabbages, the broth got all the broccoli. Like, yeah, we had a problem. I don't know if it was like, do you know um, what it, bowls or gopher? Do you know what or, it was? We kind yeah. of thought, I don't know what cut a tree down and um, there was like a big brush pile there. And I, I'm not sure if it wasn't gophers that got in from that brush pile. Yeah, we never solved the mystery. Although one day I did look out the window and I did see a tree squirrel in my strawberry bed, which is a raised bed. I'm like, hmm, wonder if that was it. Well, we shot the guy, <laughs> guy, because it's like, I'm sorry, I'm not sharing strawberries or anything else with you. So, um, you know, and I and I thought maybe he had just developed it. He or she had developed a taste for what, what whatever was in there. So um, what we ended up doing was my husband made these um, probably twelve foot long hardware cloth cages. You know that we um, were closed in on three sides, and we just laid those over the tops of the rows of carrots, and then they came back. They didn't. 
I didn't get as good of a harvest as I would have hoped. The, the carrots didn't develop, you know, they weren't nice big roots like I had hoped, but we got some, you know, we got, got some carrots out of that. And it seemed to have um, salvaged what we had planted and kept whatever was eating them down out of there because I couldn't figure out, was it an insect of some kind? I never saw any residue out there. Um, never saw any insects on the plants. I mean, they just like ate and they started at the very tip top and just ate their way down. So I don't know. Anyway, that was the mystery. But we now have these, these hardware cloth cages that we can put over the tops of them. And so I think I'll just grow my care. And they're about, they're probably about eight inches tall, though they stand about eight inches tall when you sit them down over the plant. So I think I'm going to grow my carrots underneath them until they get so tall that they, they just need the space and then I'll pick them up. <clears throat> so that's the plan. That, that was our um, solution to that one. Um, I have had other issues some a few years ago, we had a terrible pro problem with flea beetles. And um, I use a lot of diatomaceous earth, you know, to combat and neem oil. Those are my two favorite go-tos, neem oil and diatomaceous earth to combat um, insect invasions. But a friend told me last year um, that if you plant arugula as a detractant, an attractant, I guess you'd call it, um, they'll, they'll go for the arugula. So I did that and they did. I had flea beetles on my arugula, but they didn't bother my other crops, you know, my broccoli or, or kale or anything else. So it was worth it to me to plant the arugula, attract them to that and keep them out of the other stuff. And then what happened was the arugula was so um, robust that after a while, it just kept on going and the flea beetles were gone. Now, I may end up with a problem in that area because of them being in the soil, overwintering in my soil or laying eggs in the soil. I'm not really sure of their life cycle. But anyway, um, it, it, was, it was a solution that worked for me um, that summer that we had... Um, and I haven't had any more flea beetle problems. So, and that was actually last summer that I planted the arugula. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, oh, I use a lot of row cover. And in fact, every year I keep my cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower and kale covered with floating row cover. Um, I don't put up any kind of supports. We just drape the stuff over it and then we stick rocks or, or sticks or something or, to hold them down on the sides. Um, and it really keeps those um, cabbage moths, those white butterflies from laying too many eggs on my um, cruciferous crops, my coal crops. Um, that's been very effective. And I recommend that to all of my friends up here. I mean, we start out with them early on you know, when it's cold and then I just keep them on there, you know, um, throughout the summer. And it seems to really help keep the pest problem under control. And then do you just water on top of the row cover? Do you yeah. Have, like under, under like drip irrigation? I do. Or do you just water yeah, on I do. No, I don't do any drip irrigation because um, we have a lot of sediment in our water 
and um, and it just would clog up emitters like crazy. So um, I, when I was in California, I, I almost used that exclusively because I had to be more careful about water usage down there. But um, but here, I just I turn on sprinklers. I overhead water. It's just the simplest way for me to do it, and and that's water permeable. So I haven't had any problem with um, doing overhead watering here. <clears throat> How big is your guys' place? Well, we actually sit on almost 30 acres, but I, I certainly don't grow it. A lot of it is forest. We're actually right in the middle of the Kootenai Forest. Um, my guard, I have two main gardening areas and the garden is pretty big. I've got one, two, three, four, four large garden beds and two raised beds and then I've got um, four rows of raspberries um, in my main garden and then right up close to the house I've got um, three more raised beds so um, I, I'm like I said I'm really bad at numbers and square footage and all of that <laughs> it's big I grow a lot my mom comes here and she's like oh Leanne you do too much. Plus I have a greenhouse. I, and I'm like, I know I'm a slave to my garden, <laughs> but I love it. It's beautiful to hang out in the garden. So this it is. is part of the show we call getting to the root of things. So do you have like a least favorite activity you have to force yourself to get out there and do? <clears throat> I don't love weeding. And so I use a lot of mulch. Um, so that, that's basically my solution to weeding. I mean, I do, I do weed and I use um, a hoe. I mean, I'm 66. It's bending over at my age is getting harder and harder. <laughs> but um, I hoe some weeds, um, but I do really my main solution. What I tell everybody is you got to use mulch. I mean, and it, and it is beneficial too, because it's holding the moisture in the ground and protecting the roots of your vegetables and, I mean, it's just like a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned is using mulch. And then, and then I think if you mulch? keep after, where, where do you get your mulch? What, well, a lot of different stuff. Um, I'm opportunistic when it comes to that. Um, um, because I have chickens, I usually have some hay here to use for their bedding. So I have used hay. Um, I've used some wood chips, you know, just on top. I try not to use too much of that because I feel like um, I might be um, messing up the nitrogen balance in the soil, but I have used that. I've even used, when we first moved here and I didn't have hardly anything, I saved newspaper and just spread newspaper out in between my rows of vegetables and weighted them with with stones you know just to just to keep those darn weeds down so um cardboard i've used cardboard before oh um we have a friend in california that started using old carpet he, he actually did a lot of remodeling and so when he would pull carpet out of people's houses he would use that and then just kind of plant in between so I actually don't put carpet down between my rows of vegetables but 
I will put it around the outside of my beds to keep the weeds from kind of creeping their way in. So we have like 12 inch wide strips of carpet that I've just laid out there just to, just to keep it, you know, keep the outside edges of the, of my beds cleaned up. And then I'll use other things in between this last fall. Um, <laughs> I went ar driving around Libby and they were doing their leaf peak pickup day. And, and people had their leaves bagged up and um, sitting out on the curb. So I would knocked on some doors and said, can I have your bags of leaves? Because I don't, we're in a, the, you know, um, evergreen forest. And I don't have a lot of hardwood trees around here to collect leaves from. So people would be like, sure, take all you want. So I have bags of leaves that I've scavenged. <laughs> And um, I'm hoping they'll work out, you know, and I'll, and we do have a shredder. I think I'll put them through the shredder and, and try using those on some of my, um, in some of my mulch as some of my mulch. So like you. I said, I'm opportunistic. Whatever. What? Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I'll take all the leaves I can get. <laughs> so, yep. and I would lo love to have more of a back to Eden approach but we actually still just use our rototiller out there every spring to kind of loosen things up and, you know, make, get the beds ready for me to plant. So, um, but I, I, I would like to try that maybe one bed at a time, you know, where I'm not having to till and just, um, you, you know, spread mulch on there and, and I've composted forever. I can't even remember a year when I haven't saved kitchen scraps you know um to, and, and put them into compost bins it's like a lifelong thing i've been doing so so i make my own compost and sometimes i'll buy bagged compost too so anyhow well, that's, on the flip that's side, my, what's your favorite activity to do in the garden what's my favorite thing to do sit in a chair out there <laughs> <laughs> and watch things progress. <laughs> no, actually, um, let's see. I I just That's love, perfect. you know, yeah, I mean, I just love watching the progress. I love watching things as they come up and it's like, oh good, that I was successful at that. That germinated. And can you hang on just a second, Jackie? Mike. Yep. I love just sitting out there and or standing and walking around and, and um, surveying and it's like, okay, those are doing well. And, you know, kind of um, just watching the progress and, you know, making sure things are, are, are coming up and, and are progressing as, as I expect. Um, and then dealing with, dealing with whatever is a problem, um, you know, as it happens. Um, Harvesting. I, I would have to say harvest. You enjoy enjoy your garden. It is. It really is. Like it's a rewarding. Key to, you know, people like Mike has. My husband Mike has like this part I call the mini farm, where he, you know, it's more like a production garden, and then closer to our house we have the area where like the garden beds are that I kind of hang out with more. And I just feel like if you're not like really enjoying, like he doesn't have anywhere to sit in his mini farm and and really relax and enjoy it, you know? And I, I just think they're like two totally different places on our property. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt there. You want to talk about No, 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 absolutely. Absolutely, because when you say stuff like that, it 
reminds me, you know, that um, I do the same thing. I, I mean, that's, that's what I love. But actually, I have to say my favorite part of it is harvesting, because it's like, oh, wow, look at this, you know, we're, we're digging up the carrots or the beets. And it's like, I'm filling the wheelbarrow with, with all this food. And it's just, or filling you know, like almost 300 pound boxes, three boxes with almost 300 pounds of tomatoes. And um, actually, I don't even keep track anymore of the tomatoes. I used to weigh, I'd bring them in and weigh them and I'd, you know, keep a, a running total of how many tomatoes I'd harvest, harvested. And um, I don't do that anymore. But, you know, it's just, it's rewarding to see that you're able to do that. So, so harvesting is my favorite thing. And by the what way, the that reminds me, you asked, you asked earlier something new I want to try, and it, that sparked my memory. Um, something I've never grown before and I would like to try this year is celery. But I think I'm going to try to find some celery started, already started. I'm not going to try it from um, seed because it's a, probably a little bit late for that. So, okay. But my neighbor grew celery last me. year and it. I'll give you a tip on yeah. where to source celery seed at okay. the health food yes. store. Like, oh. you know the health food store, you can buy celery seed for like seasoning your food for like making potato for salad cooking. or whatever. Yeah, yeah for cooking. Yeah. It's like the cheapest celery seed you will ever buy. And oh, that's up, good to know. Do not think it's too early cool. to source your celery. Um, I mean, to start your celery seed. To start from seed? Okay, well, maybe if I get some this week, I can do that. Yeah. because that's what yeah, i'm that's doing right now it's, to get it's just they have all those cool that's a great tip cool yeah uh, great cool i'm glad <clears throat> we said that i like to grow um i did i was kind of successful growing celery last year is the first time i had um taken on this garden project for um like a client and i bought her a bunch of celery down at the farmer's market um some starts and they did do really well better than I've ever had but I've always like I just usually buy um uh, grow Swiss chard I like the ruby red Swiss chard and I just use that for celery for uh -huh. me but I know other people some people do you okay and stuff but I kind of I kind of just yeah. I know, it just usually grows really well that being said my chard and kale last year did horrible like partly because I tried to grow it instead of my husband growing it. And I should have just let him do it in the mini farm like he usually does. Huh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he usually gets really nice, just huge stalks of um, Swiss chard for me. I really like the, the red and the orange and the golden. Yeah. I'm not as big a fan of the white uh -huh. Swiss chard, but which is interesting because mm -hmm. my mom's the total opposite. She only likes the white and doesn't like the red and the orange in those, but Anyway, uh, what's the best advice yeah. you've ever received, Leanne? Hmm. Um, I don't know if, if I've ever heard this, but this is what I tell people myself is when you first start gardening, um, limit yourself. You know, start small and then add to it is what I give people advice. You don't you don't want to. Otherwise, it could be very discouraging um, if you are a newbie to the whole process. So so th that would be um, and I don't know that anybody ever told me that. But then again, I started very young and and have been gardening for a lot of years. So 
um, I would say start small, you know, and, and have success, have small, small gardens small, and, and be successful and then, you know, keep adding to it and um, try new things. I think keep trying new things. Like I'm going to try the celery this year and I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to go buy some seed at the health food store and, and do it that way since, since you're um, encouraging me to do that. So that's what it would be is don't, 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 don't go too big to begin with. What's your favorite tool? If you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what can you <clears> do <throat> with without? What's my favorite tool? California when you moved up here? Yeah, well, I brought, a, I like all my tools with me. <laughs> my husband's in the background. He, he says, my husband. <laughs> and actually, he's really great for getting my garden beds opened up for me in the spring. He gets out there and he tills for me. Um, but, but I have to say, I have this hoe that has a pointed tip on it. It's not a traditional squared off hoe, but it's pointed. I don't know what they call that. And I use that for a lot of stuff. I use that for um, most of my planting. When I'm transplanting things outside, I can make nice furrows. They can be, you know, a half an inch deep, or they can be five inches deep using that thing. And and it, and I don't. And it saves me having to bend over a whole lot. So I use that. And I would say I don't know if you'd call it a tool, but my other favorite thing to use that I mentioned before is floating row cover, because it 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 helps. Um, encourage um, my little baby plants in the spring when it's still kind of cold and it protects them all summer long from a lot of pests. So floating row cover and a, my pointed hoe and those are probably my go-to things. Those are great ones. That floating row cover, I was amazed at how durable and sturdy it is. Like when we first bought it, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't possibly afford this. But I mean, I think I've had it for, uh, well, let's see, my podcast is set, so six years, five, six years now, and it's still in really good shape. Like, I was I was surprised at the durability of it. And I finally, yeah. last year, bought, um, like, a really inexpensive garbage can, and I, so I keep it in there now. And so that makes a huge difference, having a place to put it when we're not using it. So um, that's a great really tip. Like Thank you. Thank you. Great tip. I usually stuff mine into feed sacks, you know, and then just yank it out when I need it. And, and yes, we use it year after year after year until at some point it does start to kind of, you know, get snagged and get holes in it. But um, yeah, putting yeah, it in the garbage, kind of in a garbage can. Like picking great idea. Up every time. Um, yeah. Well, I like we had a grizzly bear come through and get our chicken coop. And so we had two baby chickens that we were like bringing in the house and keeping in the bathroom at night in like uh -huh. little cat carriers. And so every day I would like change out, I would put like a fresh piece of newspaper and some fresh straw in there for them every night and change out their bedding. And so I started keeping, I bought like a whole bunch of garbage cans to like keep the straw in and mm -hmm. um, the newspaper to keep it fresh for them and then um i just i had an extra one and i was like i'm gonna put the row cover in here and so yeah i don't know it just worked out really good anyway mm -hmm. how a favorite did we talk about a favorite recipe we kind of talked about some of your um recipes. you did ask me well i i just like to make so many different things but i will say every year i do can salsa i have a favorite recipe for that 
I do make pickled beets every year. I, um, I have some favorite jams that I like to make from our, our berries and, um, and like I said, um, even, even my herbs. <laughs> And I know that basil um, and I do, really good. Or what was it? The, um, yeah, it's it, it's called it tart basil jelly. It's called tart basil jelly. And so it's kind of like um kind of like a mint jelly, you know, like you would use as a condiment with meats, but it's basil and it's just it's different and it's good. And my I give it to my mom and she even puts it on toast. So um it's unique. And I like making things that are kind of different and and complex. So, and then pesto. I make pesto. I grow tons of basil. I make a lot of pesto, and put it in the freezer. and And we use it. We give it away. I sell it. Um, but like I said, I don't do any of this, you know, as to make money. I just do it because I love it. And and um, if I make a few bucks here and there, I, that's fine. <laughs> so those would be my favorite, favorite things. How about a favorite internet resource? Where do you find yourself surfing on the web? So I don't spend a whole lot of time doing that, but I have found a few, <clears throat> like somehow or other I found you. Um, but one of my favorites, if you, and you should look for her, or I'll send you a link. It's called Susan's in the Garden. Don't remember how I found her, but um, she, sends out a weekly newsletter. She writes for the Spokane Review, I think it is. She writes, she's a master gardener over in Spokane. And so she writes for their uh, a column for their uh, local newspaper. She has a YouTube channel and she send, and then you can sign up for her emails and you get her, um, her newsletter and all the stuff that she's doing. And she's a fabulous gardener over in Spokane. And I think she's in zone 5A is what she says. And so it's close enough to what I do here that I can get tons of tips from her. And she's, she's a very um, proponent. She's a, she pro she's a proponent of organic gardening. I think that's the only thing she does is organic. So, um, you know, I get lots of ideas from her. Like um, we started using her method for um, tying up our, our tomatoes um, in the greenhouse um, to, uh, I think she uses, I don't remember if it's cattle panels or something like that, that she, she uses that and then ties her tomatoes up to those um, to stake them up and, and support them. And, and anyway, lot, I get lots of ideas and I love the information that I can get from her. So Susan's in the garden. And um, I also well, like I to watch. To um, tell you and tell listeners, I actually have her book right here because I am interviewing her on Friday. So listen. Oh, that's so listen? cool. I have her Susan book too. Mulville Hill. So she'll be coming up soon. She wrote yes. a book called The Vegetable Garden Pest Handbook, Identify and Solve Common Pest Problems on Edible Plants. So yes. awesome. Yeah, uh, and she's okay. a great what resource. Was the other one? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You. Oh, well, that's okay. Actually, I just want to say I have her book too. And last year I did find some pest. It was a green caterpillar looking type worm on something in my garden. I don't remember where. Actually, it was in my greenhouse. And I'm like, what is this? And I wasn't sure. And I looked in the book and I couldn't identify it. So I took a picture of it and I emailed it to her and she got right back to me and answered my question. So she's, she's, she's a great lady. So 
Um, also on YouTube, I like I have a favorite um, YouTube channel, and it's called Living Traditions, and they're homesteaders. Um, so they do a lot of similar things to what I do with, you know, we've raised pigs, I have chickens, I have a big garden. So that and, and I love to cook and they do a lot of cooking on their show. So living traditions. Um, I also have gotten the um, emails and blog stuff from Melissa Norris on pioneering today. And she also has a YouTube channel, but mostly I just, I get people's, I love, I prefer to read. She also has so an awesome I'll, podcast. I'll, I love Melissa Norris. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't listen as much as I read. I love to, I, I prefer to just, you know, in my spare time, sit down and read what they have to say, but nevertheless, that's so I listen to listen or read what she has. Um, and that's about it. Those are my my three three favorites: Susan's in the Garden, Living Traditions, and Pioneering Today. And um, occasionally, I'll see something else that sparks my interest. You hmm? might be interested in is a woman named Nicole Burke, and her I I can't remember her business is called Gardenery. She kind of coaches people on how to um, start like garden design businesses but she also like she wrote a book called the kitchen garden revival that i just love oh anyway. okay um Nicole i'll look Burke. that up thank you okay how about a favorite book or reading material that you want to recommend i guess we kind of covered that but anybody else out there that um well i do have susan's book and it's it's really good. I mean, as you you have it too. Um, I I like that it's it's really well written. It's simple. Um, it I love well the pictures written, in there. Yeah. I other than that, I don't I don't have any favorites. I'll check things out from the library, you know, to look up specific um, if I'm having a specific problem. And I honestly I can't tell you, you know, from memory, you know, what I've checked out and looked up. Um, and nowadays, you know, obviously you can go online. I remember in uh, years and years ago, you know, um, enjoying um, publications by Rodale. And um, I'll go, I like, there's just ma magazines, organic gardening, you know, things from, from the library, um, magazines. I, I can't tell you specifically. I don't get, I don't have any subscriptions or any, any, anything. I That's just, right. I've got like That's several books, resources. you know, I mean, it's just, yeah, you know, <laughs> just pick things so, up over the years. <clears throat> here's my final question, Leanne. If there's one okay. thing you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Okay. I think as far as um, food production, that there should be more biodiversity um, and less monoculture. It, I mean, I think that what I love from growing up with my parents being gardeners and trying new things and different varieties of things every year. Um, and especially my dad, my dad was a wonderful gardener and it's like, Oh, Leanne, I'm going to send you seeds and try this and try that. Um, that that's just so important, you know, to, um, to not have 
simply what they have to offer <laughs> on the produce shelf at the grocery store, which is the same thing all the time. And I would say I, I'm, a, I'm totally against genetically modified food. <laughs> so no GMOs in our food sources. And the animal feed that I get from my chicken is non-GMO. Um, and so, you know, just food production in general, I would love to see more diverse and not genetically modified. So that would be my, um, my hope. And that's the way I try to feed my family. And, and that's, the, you know, I mean, it's, I just think it's the healthiest way to live. Well, Leanne, I can't thank you enough for being such an eloquent guest and knowledgeable and sharing all your information and inspiring everybody today. And I hope we get to meet in Eureka in person one of these days and share some seeds and some books and some other stuff and maybe some flowers or something from our gardens and uh, just have a wonderful day. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be able to be a part of this and I would um, hope that you have great success this summer as well. And we should meet up. Come over to Yak sometime. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, well, I'm glad you persisted because I feel awful. Like, so listeners, Leanne sent me an email February 2nd, I guess, that I totally missed after I'm always asking you guys, write me, write me. And I somehow just completely missed it. Didn't even see it. And then she wrote me back because I guess the email link on my, uh, like if you, if you sign up to the Organic Gardener podcast subscription, like the updates, um, you get like the first nine emails automatically go out. And I guess it still has my old calendar schedule link, which I will try to remember to fix. <laughs> I still haven't fixed it. So I'm glad that you reached out there and said, hey, I, I couldn't schedule. So I'm sorry about that. And I apologize and thank you so much for sharing with us today because you just dropped tons of golden seeds and and i know listeners are going to be inspired and learned a ton and and uh yeah we'll we'll meet up for sure um okay you never know i might make it up to the yak this year it's, i actually was up there uh was it this fall or last summer looking at um my kids were looking at a house to rent up there so uh, but it sounds like okay. quite a ways up in the yak. They were just kind of like right past the garbage, the green boxes, you know, where all those people are living in that little community down there. Yes, we are up past the dirty shame and up past the murk. So um, yeah. pretty far up. <laughs> well, but cool. if you come over. Yeah, but you get to come, see lots of animals yeah. up there. Yeah. Oh, are yeah. You have yeah. With bears breaking into your chicken pen, like we have. No. Um, uh, well, we did one year before we electrified. You didn't put an electric fence up. That's what we need to do. And like you, we had a grizzly bear come in. Yeah, we had a grizzly come bear, grizzly bear come in and um, turn over a very heavy coop and and ate a couple of my chickens. And so we we've. We've rethought that whole thing and we electrified after that. So no problem since then. So yeah, that's what we need to do. He ripped the whole back door off of our pen. They came, they mm -hmm. like we have lived here, it'll be 30 years. Um, Mike and I were married in 93, so 30 something years. 
and never had a problem until two years ago. And then they've come and like, at first they just kind of like made some damage and then they came back. And then the last time they were here. And so we haven't had chickens since, like I said, we had those two last spring that we were like carrying back and forth and bringing in the house every night. And then my dog actually ended up getting both of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, and so we, we are not going to have chickens until Mike figures out how to our problem is, is we have 260 feet of fence that go like from one corner of the house to the other corner of the house. And Mike feels like we need to electrify that whole thing. Whereas I feel like we could just electrify down where the chicken pen is um, a much hmm. smaller section. But he does have a good point is that even though we didn't have the chickens last year, they still came in and got the orchard. We have like 14 and cherry trees and so he's like they're still gonna come in so i don't know what we're gonna do and yeah mm -hmm. we've never had mm -hmm. a problem in all these years um and then all of a sudden they just i don't know if the bears around here just have a taste for chickens or there's just so many people have moved in or what the deal is but yeah i miss them so much especially like after all those years i never had anything to do with the chickens until the last two years and we um that one chicken i called him little eagle and he would like literally sit on my shoulder and like watch me when i was on my computer or painting and like down when i was reading like in the house or down in the garden like he was just like my i don't know if it was a he or a she but anyway i became so in love with the chickens and like and going down there and changing their cages out like i just there was just like something about usually like that's not my thing and i always like i stayed away from the chickens because i always felt like oh my gosh i can't believe we're keeping these chickens in this cage and i always wanted to let them out mike was like no they have a huge our chickens do have a huge cage like the amount of space that our chickens have they're like the most pampered chickens they have like tons of shade they have trees they have bushes they get what like they have a really nice life they don't need to get out and 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 that actually let in the predators any anyway yeah i fell in love with hmm. the years. I, I, I like them too they're fun aren't they you know it's they i just are. like to like, go out and kind of listen to them <laughs> and i never thought they would be soft yeah. and i was always afraid they were going to peck me and bite me and just like they are not they're like so sweet and i totally like can't wait till we get chickens again like it just seems yeah. so ironic that i finally felt and like they would like literally be in their little cat carriers i would go down there every night and um and then what happened was one night i was working on my computer because since the pandemic started i've been working from home for two years which is probably mm -hmm. how part of how i missed your email well i don't know because when i'm working i'm busy too anyway um and i was late and i went down there after dark and we think that the one chicken like he flew out and was looking for me and that was how the dog got her. And mm. then the other chicken was also another case of like, I let her walk down to the chicken cage one day and she was like, oh man, there's some nice grass out here. And so she also flew over the pen and my dog got her. So that's how we ended yeah. up using those two. But yeah. it was just a whole like of like taking care of them and giving them the fresh hay and, and feed like it just, I don't know, it became something that I just really love to do. and. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Leanne, yeah. you're probably like, we've been on the phone for over an hour, so. No, I'm, I'm fine. And, and thank you so much for sharing with us. And I don't want to leave on like a sad note. So um, just, <laughs> uh, you've been a wonderful guest and, and good luck with everything. And, and uh, 
till we meet i'll talk to you and i'll send you a link when this is open when this is uh live it'll probably be sounds like a good I think idea I'm out to uh the end of march the beginning of april okay sounds good thank you jackie it's been fun uh, thank you have a great day bye you too bye bye, -bye. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and remember, grow local.